they, they start you off day one. You have to like build a tooth out of wax. How, what the hell does a tooth look like, number one? And then how do I build it out of wax? When we used to go out in dental school, everyone used to like come up with some rule, like, all right, no talking about teeth. And guess what I wanted to talk about? And I still want to talk about, I still love talking about teeth. Welcome to the What the Heck Do You Do Career Podcast, an inspiring look into the everyday jobs of everyday people. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of What the Heck Do You Do? Today, we have a very exciting episode because we actually, for the first time in What the Heck Do You Do history, we have two guests talking about the exact same, well, not the exact same, but the same field. We got Dr. Sammy Saka and Dr. Mark Nardea, both dentists. Uh, Dr. Sammy is a general dentist and Dr. Mark is a pediatric dentist. Did I say that correctly, Mark? Yep, resident for now, but yes. Soon to be. Right. And they're going to explain to you a little bit about what the day-to-day is like, how they both chose their respective specialties, which is actually very interesting because Mark and Sammy went to the same high school, the same uh, college, and the same dental school, and they chose different paths and for different reasons, and they're very different people. So it'll be a very interesting conversation. So hello, guys. Good evening. How are you? Hey, Carol. <laughs> awesome podcast. Okay. I just have to make a quick shout out. What makes an awesome like podcast host is like being intelligible on the subject, being able to like navigate the interview, like the execution of it, and like being like entertaining altogether. And you have the whole package, so I'm a big fan. Oh, I already put you on. You don't have to compliment me anymore. Uh, okay, okay. I see how it is. I've just known you my whole life. I, I don't need to earn any points. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's start with Sammy on this one. Sammy, tell us what the heck do you do? Hey, so I am a general dentist, uh, which means I went through four years of college and four years of dental school, and now I do general dentistry. And that is honestly, it's like the uh, like being a veterinarian of the mouth. So just like a veterinarian has to see a dog, a cat, a lizard one day, I have to think about everything that's going on in the mouth in one day, and I have to be able to try to treat it from taking things out to putting things in. And so. As a general dentist, I'm responsible for quarterbacking every situation and taking you from where you are to where you have to be. And that includes, you know, helping out with your function, your health, and your aesthetics in that order. And that's something that's very important to understand where your job starts and ends. All right, Mark, same question. What the heck do you do? So I am a pediatric dental resident uh, in nine and a half short months, but who's counting? I will be a pediatric dentist. That'll be my official title. And in dental school, they would have us explain it. I'm a physician of the oral cavity. But really, that just means that um, I treat like basically anything that's going on in your mouth from infancy to teen years, mainly teeth. Mm -hmm. So what else could that be? Uh, So that could range from like any kind of oral pathology, meaning like any kind of diseases going on in your mouth, any kind of like gum issue, anything that could really be bothering you could range anywhere from like bone to gums to teeth. Really cool. So, Sammy, as a general dentist, what does your day-to-day look like? From a day-to-day, I get to work. First thing we start with is a, a huddle, and we go over our patient pool for the entire day. Um, and that will go over, I usually have anywhere from 8 to 20 patients, depending on if I'm doing exams or not. And uh, we go over the, the, the patients with the, the assistants, the front desk. What are we doing? Who are we doing it on? Why are we doing it? Uh, what should be done before I enter the room? What should be done, you know, by when I leave, and uh, what like materials I'll need. And so, 
Um, and that could be anything from anything from fillings to root canals to crowns to extractions. And it, and that's the fun part of my job. That no two days are the same, and that uh, every day I go is going to be a little bit different. And I'm going to gain a little bit and have to certain things I'm you know, excited to do and not. And so uh, definitely that's a very vague explanation of what I do, but it's, I think it's really accurate. I think what I love most about that is we all go to the dentist, right? I mean, hopefully, and we don't realize <laughs> that there's so much, I know you're like, people do not go to the dentist. I've seen the inside of people's mouths. They do not no. go, but they don't floss. We, <laughs> they definitely don't <laughs> floss. Um, but you don't realize all that goes on in the beginning of the day prep wise to make sure that that experience happens seamlessly because there's so much that has to go on behind the scenes. So that was very interesting the patient experience is the entirety of it. And understanding that is very crucial is that you're not just doing, going there and doing your job. I'm not just the carpenter. I have to think in broader terms, you know, cause anyone can go to any dentist, there's a million dentists out there. Why are you coming to me? And I hope you're coming to me because you appreciate the service I do. You appreciate how I treat you and the environment we create. And that's uh, very important. Yeah, definitely. So Mark, is your day-to-day similar to Sammy's or is it very different? Uh, so Basically, the second two years of dental school, you are a general dentist. Uh, so I had the experience of both, and I would say that it is massively different, only because working with kids, the whole thing is that you're ma- trying to manage their behavior, like trying to stick a needle in a kid's face. Like it's hard to do for an adult, let alone a kid. So the whole difference is the treatment planning and also the execution, managing the behavior while getting all the work that they need done completed. So on that note of you still have more time and you did the general dentistry and all of that. What, what was that um, path like for you? What did you have to do in order to get to this point where you are now? Uh, So first you have to go to college and you have to take a bunch of different classes. Uh, So I know when we went, we had to take two levels of general chemistry, two levels of biology, organic chemistry. um, And then we had to, at least we had to take, uh, anatomy and physiology, microbiology, biochem. I think I looked it up recently and they, they dropped those last three. But definitely general chemistry, organic chemistry, bio. And I don't know if I mentioned physics. You have to take two levels of that as well. Is it uh, different than take, pre-med? Uh, so the undergrad courses are usually the same. Mm-hmm. So then, but the difference is that in medicine, they'll take the MCAT, whereas we'll take the DAT or the dental admission test. And then the application is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And then so you can once go you into act- college and not be sure if you want to do me- medical or dental, and it's the same classes. Exactly what happened to me. I went in pre-med. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, a physician, and then I switched about sophomore, junior year. What made you switch? I always like noticed teeth. I had like more of like an affinity for it. Um, I also noticed that there's a much bigger entrepreneurial component, and I have like a big entrepreneurial spirit. So where there's like a lot of regulation in medicine, where most people end up wanting to work for a hospital, uh, in dentistry, private practice is still wide open and you get to play in the major leagues, run your own show, manage a staff and run a business basically. So that also appealed to me. And then, I mean, I love you guys, the physicians, but you guys kind of go into like one residency to go to another residency to go to another internship and then into a fellowship. It's just a lot of years. So definitely that was an attractive part of it. It's just that dentistry is usually like residency, one residency and out. It's only one to four years. It's not any of this, like some of these crazy surgery residencies, six years. Right. And for those of you who want to know a little bit more about what that's like, you can go and listen to Haim Rudy's podcast episode where he explains what that's like in the medical field. But I think that's a really good point, which is that the years 
are different, which I think is, is something that really appeals to people at first. But also what you said, do you have an affinity for that body part, whether it be, you know, the heart, the face, the skin, uh, the stomach, but in your case, it was teeth. And then the idea of running a business very differently than you would if you were a physician. Um, so Sammy, same question to you. What made you decide to be a dentist as opposed to a doctor? Um, so there's a few kind of underlying things, but uh, my parents encouraged me to do dentistry. I'll say that. And that made me really consider it because I never really thought of being a dentist. It's kind of hard. I mean, my parents aren't dentists. My dad has a retail store. So for me, it's like, you know, my oldest brother's a podiatrist. And I know that his residencies were very hard and he does, he's a, a, a podiatric surgeon. And so for him, he had, you know, I think three to, to five years of residency of grueling surgery and on calls. And that seemed very difficult to me. Even at a young age, I said, dedicating my life in that way, where all day, every day, that's my job, just didn't appeal to me. And it seemed kind of stressful. And, you know, it's in dentistry, you really you do only one year of residency if only doing general. And I wanted to do medicine. I wanted to be able to help people. I thought it was cool that I would get to work with my hands and teeth seemed interesting. And I really went into it not knowing hardly anything, to be quite frank with you. I, I, I shadowed some dentists. I got a gist of what they did, but it's hard to understand what they do when you don't really know what they do. You know, so you just watch, I, he shoots some gunk into something and th- does something with it for why I don't know, but that's what's happening. And I think the thing, you know, in terms of you know, getting into it, the thing that pushed me is that I'm persistent. And I feel like it's something where this is what I committed to, and this is what I'm going to go with right now. And that's double-edged sword, but I believe in these fields, in the medical fields, you're investing a lot. Between undergrad and dental school, you know, the cost is going to be upwards of four to $500,000, and that's no joke. So no, if you're going to, you know, if people that their parents could help pay for it, great, but number one, also you're taking their resources anyway, you know, but like, if you have these student loans, then they're also increasing. I'm maybe paying maybe $800,000 worth of loan. Who knows? By the way, it increases um, over time. So it's a very big commitment. And if you're going to do it, my suggestion is to stay committed. I'm not saying this is scaring people off because it's an amazing job. It's really a beautiful job where I feel like I get to do art, engineering, patient care. I get to do work with science and I work with my hands and my brain. It really, as a general, especially, it's so all-encompassing. And it's such a magnificent, you know, amalgamation of so many different aspects of everything that it really is a wonderful job. Yeah, I love that. That was so well said. My my favorite thing that you said was just like that it's a combination of so many different skill sets that you, I guess, don't really think about, like the patient care, the engineering, the art, but you are, you are really doing all those things at once, which is it's also so crazy to think that you should know that from freshman, sophomore year of college that you can and like to do all those things. I'm going to say the one thing I've learned in life is that no matter what it is, no matter what the skill is, no matter what it is you want to do, you could do it. Anyone could do it. Anyone could do anything. All right. Maybe I'm, I can't dunk fine, but in general, I definitely can become great enough to be a good dentist and do good work on people. And you can I'll even anyone, contest the can. dunk thing, by the way. I know my brother, <laughs> spent, I mean, he's a lot taller, but he, he sat hours in the basement teaching himself how to jump higher. So even something like you're, that is not, you're hundred percent right, honestly. And, and uh, if I really committed myself and had weighted vests and went ham, like there's no saying that man, I'm so there's nothing in this world you can't do. It's about persistence and it's about perfect practice. 
like, and that's the, the key word of the day, I think is persistence. Nothing in life will ever happen if you're not persistent about it. You're not pushing it and you're not really trying to grow and do better for yourself. I have a very awkward addition to something that you just said. The first question I ask anybody whenever they, they're interested in dentistry and they ask me for advice is, do you have the chops? Because you need this minimum GPA. You need to be good at school. Mm-hmm. So the average GPA of what gets in is about a 3.5. And then the average DAT score of what gets in is it's just a high number. I think it's like a 22 or a 23. Uh, it's out of like 30. Oh, it's interesting. Uh I got in with 20s across the board. I think that's like the minimum you want to have. And people get in with 17, 18, 19s if they have a really good app otherwise. Right. I mean, these things, these things are really like, you know, they want to see a full picture. And like one more thing, like once you get an interview, no matter what it's to, med school, dental school, whatever, they already like you enough to accept you on paper. They already like you enough where you have to convince them that you're good on paper. What they want in those interviews is they want to make sure you're not a psychopath. And they want to make sure that you're someone that they're not going to mind hanging out with for the next four years. Yeah. Uh, once you get up to the interview step, but before you get, you get to the to, interview yeah. step, you got to have the three, six GPA is the average of what gets in the DAT of 22. And you got to have a bunch of research, shadowing, community service, extracurriculars. It's a multi-year effort. It's not something you can just put together because at the end Mark of the day, nailed it by the way. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still, 5.7% looking at the research I did for this pod, Carol. Uh, <laughs> it's 6,500 people. There are 6,500 seats for 115,000 that apply. So your wow. odds are like already stacked against you. So you got to do something to stand out. And so I say, if you're going to put all this effort in, you got to make sure that you have the chops. And that's not to be like de- degrading to anything to say that you can't do it. But at every, like everyone will eventually hit their ceiling like, oh, this is what I can accomplish. This is what I can accomplish. I have to be realistic about it. So, of course, be persistent. Do the very best. Be the best that you can be. However, if you do not have the chops, then I would say you got to go for another career that's more realistic. Because I have had a lot of friends who have been applying a number of times and then just end up going in circles because they do not have the chops to get in. Mm-hmm. What's a good indicator that you have the chops aside for your GPA? Uh, I would say that's a good starting point because that is the barrier to entry where a lot of people are getting cut off straight from there. Mm-hmm. Everything else you can kind of put together, but the GPA is the one thing where like if you go through your first semester, your first couple of semesters and you have like a 3.0 GPA without taking any of the hard sciences, now your back's against the wall. It might be a really uphill battle. Right. And that's a really good point that a lot of people can have 3.5 or higher. But when you think about taking these really tough science classes, that's when people's GPAs kind of drop. So, Sammy, you mentioned earlier that you did some internships, but that they didn't actually teach you what you needed to know. Is there anything that you would recommend for somebody in college to do? Or is it really just the nature of the job that you're really never going to know until you're thrown into it way down the line? I think if you find a really good mentor, it's like, it's helpful because they're able to help guide you and kind of explain you things. Like no one's going to explain to you dentistry like overnight or not going to explain to you in really undergraduate too much what they're doing. And even if they try to, you're not going to understand. It's such a multifaceted discipline where it's something where I didn't feel like I fully comprehended it, you know, even till now where I'm just fully comprehend comprehending it. it. Yeah, exactly. We're still understanding it and I'm still getting the bigger picture. And like, and it's not because that 
I'm I'm different. I'm you know, not uh, not able to. It's just it's such a it, there's so many factors. There's so many things going on. And like we said, mechanical, medical. You know, there's 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 you know chemistry going on with all the materials you're using. It's art, and there's so many factors. It's just such a it's such a difficult thing to put together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also I just want to go back because we we sort of skipped on this, but there is, so there's a long process, right? So you're learning, are you learning these skills along the way? Like, are these things that you learn when you're, so again, you finished college, you took the DAT, you get into a dental school. Is this the point where you're learning all of those multifaceted disciplines or it's really only once you do your residency and you're actually working? No, so dental schools in the state of New Jersey, you are legally allowed to practice dentistry in a private office at the second you graduate from dental school and have your diploma. So it's their jobs to train you. Um, in other states, like mostly New York, you're required to have a residency for one year to be a general dentist. And um, one more thing is there is this the board exams you have to take in order to get your diploma and graduate and do, do all that. Um, but in general, it's their job to teach you the foundation, essentially. And that's why people recommend that uh, you know, even though we're in New Jersey, you still should do uh, one year residency at least. Um, so like you were saying, like, yeah, you don't need it. The residency definitely helps things though. It's good to be in a learning environment for a longer period of time where you feel like you could bounce things off of because, you know, at even the best person coming out of dental school, I'm sure there's going to be people arguing with me. Well, I came out and I could do everything. I could do, you know, the hardest thing. And like, all right, great. Like you're, you're the greatest, but the rest of us normies, like we're growing and we're still growing and we're still, uh, figuring it out. And that's even in private practice. Uh, you're still sometimes figuring it out. And that's just not because it's just the nature of the game. You know what I mean? You get good at things by doing them being, and practicing them. And just as Haim will be doing uh, plastic surgery and he's has spent six years in residency, even after he finishes residency, he's still going to be learning, even though he's a doctor and he's uh, you know graduated residency. And that's just the nature of life. Right. So and, in order which, to be in this field, you have to love that learning. You have to love that it's ever evolving. I think there are people that love things that sort of stay stagnant and they're predictable, but this is never going to be like that. Yeah. For a, for a long, for a long time, it's not going to be like that, but I I will say this. I am not one of those people that necessarily love learning. I appreciate predictability. I appreciate the ability to do things correctly every time the systems, this is, you know, but I'm building to that. And uh, but why do I keep learning? And it's because I, it, cause I was against this later dentistry or any medical field, especially we're working hands-on people. It's very emotional. It's very, at least for me, it's very, um, it's a sensitive thing because I want to do the best by my patients. I want to do the best work for them. And I want to do everything beautifully and correctly and exactly how they should be. But that's just not how life works. And even in, even in the greatest of instances, even the greatest doctor, you look at their work, I, I could point out things that aren't perfect in it. And that's just objective how life is. You know, it's a perfectionist craft. And that's something I'll always be probably looking at. Oh, I could do this a little better if I did this or that. You know, you're sculpting to an extent. So I think it's, you know, it's it's a definitely for me an emotionally difficult job because there's real people who are like, you know, and and it matters. Uh, and so that's what drives me to get better every single day. That's what drives me to, to expand my knowledge and there you take CE credits or, you know, you, you know, which is, um, you know, th- you know, class you take 
continuing education. You take it after you graduate. And just, it, it's just something that, you know, anyone getting into the field should understand that it's not just like happiness and rainbows every single day. Like some people make it seem, you know, it's also very, especially for a young dentist, you know, it's something that you think about a lot, which is good because it drives you to be better. It drives you to be the best you can. And just to pick up on the structure of when you learn things, it's usually the first two years is all academic, but then you also learn the theory of dentistry. And then you're also in pre-clinic, meaning that you're working on plastic teeth to learn how to do all the procedures. The next two years, that's when you're dealing with real patients and you have professors helping you with each of these cases, doing them for the first time, second time, third time. And then by the time you're done, you're a senior, you're ready to graduate. Now you generally move on to a residency where now you have assistants and now you have uh, a bunch of patients that you could see more than two patients a day and you don't have one professor showing eight people how to do this at a time so you could get a lot more done per appointment. You just work, learn how to work more efficiently. And then after that, like Sammy was saying, you take continued education classes if you want to learn how to do anything beyond that. And then they call it the practice of dentistry because you're always getting better. My dad's a dentist. He's in his 60s now. He's still learning new techniques. He's still all about learning from the webinars and the new science and the more efficient ways to do things. It's a lifelong commitment. Mm -hmm. And I know that for doing pediatrics, it's a little bit of a different um, like trajectory than general. So can you speak a little bit to that about the differences and, and also a little bit more about what it is that led you to do that? Because the way you made it sound in the beginning... It's like it's babysitting. So what about it excites you? Uh, okay. So the trajectory of pediatric dentistry is that after you graduate from dental school, it's two years where all you do is work on uh, baby teeth or adolescent all the way through teen years. Um, and then they just have different needs. It's like adult teeth, like when you fix them, they have to last for the rest of their lives, ideally. Or you want to get like decent mileage out of them to last like 10 years. With baby teeth, you just want to kind of save those teeth until they're ready to fall out. So a question that I'm always getting is, oh, their baby teeth are going to fall out anyway. Why do you have to fix them? And the reason why, I'm happy I could explain it, is that they are holding the space for adult teeth. If a cavity gets too big that uh, you have to take it out, now that space is going to be lost with adult teeth grow uh, moving forward. And now when other adult teeth want to grow in, everything is going to come out all crooked. So that is the idea of not taking out every baby tooth. Uh, what led me to pediatrics, this is what I said. First thing I said every interview, I'm really immature, okay? Sometimes society says I'm not allowed to be immature, and all this job has done is unlock me and say that, like, society, oh, he's a kid's dentist, he could be who he is now, which is just a really lighthearted, I want to be laughing most of the day, I want to go along with whatever the kid's saying just because I get my kicks out of it. So that's one component of it. The other component of it is like it's a lot faster paced because kids don't have as extensive needs. So you have a lot more patient turnover. You see a lot more patients throughout the day. And it just feels like a completely different energy than when you're working on adults. Most people you could not pay to do pediatrics because it's exactly what you're calling it. It's babysitting, especially in dental school when we had our pediatric rotations. It really felt like babysitting because we would have to do one step wait for the professor, do one step, wait for the professor. And so most of it is really babysitting, but I feel that it's completely different than the actual practice of it because that's when you're actually doing something and then the talking is on the side. So it feels like a lot better of a breakdown. Very interesting. Um, so Sammy, why, why did you choose general as opposed to specializing? 
Um, there's a lot of specialties out there and, you know, I thought about what I wanted to do the rest of my life and I weighed it down versus, you know, my placement in the class. And then I thought about my own, um, my, my own desires. Uh, and I decided that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, and that I'd rather be the, do everything. And, um, I'd rather, I'd rather be the person that everyone could come to. I wanted to be the quarterback. I wanted to run the show. I wanted to tell, you know, to pay people and, you know, be, I could do everything for them. You know, you don't have to go anywhere else. I could be the guy to do it for you. And it's a double, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, on one hand, they're happy to go to one person and to trust me. On the other hand, um, you know, I have to be aware that I have to be able to do all these things and do them at a high level, at a high enough level that a specialist does them, which is a very high level. And so um, it puts me on a path of learning and it puts me on a path of growth and opportunity and freedom. And I think all those things together made it the, the desirable path in my eyes. Beautifully said. Is there a, a salary difference in the different specialties? I'll, I'll let my colleague Mark handle that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there is generally a salary difference. Um, if you Google it, You'll see on ZipRecruiter, which I think is a very reliable source, if you're going to be an employee, um, a general practitioner or a general dentist will make 162000 a year on average. Uh, that's nationally. Um, compared to a pediatric dentist, uh, it's 242000 nat- uh nationally, ranging from 265000 a year in New York to 231000 a year in New Jersey. However, that is just if you're going to work as an employee, uh, there's more practice, there's more profit in private practice. That's where you could usually get like a 20 to 25% bump. And so ZipRecruiter Zip really only has for an employee because no one is really going to report like, oh, I'm putting out a job. I'm going to offer this much. So the best way to find out what a salary would be for someone who owns a private practice um, you'd have to dig a little bit deeper. And the best I could find is from the American Dental Association with Health Policy Institute. They did a study in 2019 uh, just to see what the average income is, as opposed to the average salary of a pediatric dentist versus a regular dentist and all the various specialties. And they said it was a 290000 net income uh, for a pediatric dentist and 190000 net income for a general dentist. On a, on a more practical level, I think, um, being a general dentist, being any type of dentist, you could just own a practice. You could own several practices. You could own a hundred practices. It, don't, it doesn't really have a bounds in that sense. You don't have, as long as you have a license in a state, you can own a practice there. And some states don't even require you to be a dentist to own a practice. I mean, and that's what some people do. They just don't practice ever again. They just own a bunch of practices and kind of run them. They figure out the formula. They say, oh, I could do, I could do this and repeat it. And, or, and most, a lot of them, most dentists just kind of own one practice and say, this is my baby and I'm going to run this thing and I love it. And I'll put my heart and soul into it. And like, I'll do good work and I'll be happy. And they make good money doing that. Like to say that, like, you know, there's, there is no max and more so for general than specialties because of specialties you're kind of, you know, usually practicing, but like, I don't doubt that, you know, Mark will one day own those hundred practices and, and so, um, yeah, so, so but in, in general, you're talking about objective, what people make, a uh, specialist will make more than a, um, than a general, uh, I think oral surgeons is like the second high one of the highest averages. That's not an MD and some of them are MDs, but, um, 
So yeah, it's a but lot. To be of an jobs. oral surgeon, you you probably have to be in like the top top percentage of your class, right? In dental school. Uh, yes and no. Like, yeah, obviously, got to be top of your class or a very good standing, and then you have to have like a really good resume where you've like done research and you shadowed a. And even this, in dental school, it's like oh, like I did externships. So it's shadowing when you're in dental school is called externship. Same thing. Uh, so I did an externship while I was in dental school at this program, and for two weeks I hung out with them, and I I did all these things. And then they interview you and they see whether or not you're a psycho. Again, it's the same thing over and over again, <laughs> you know, where you got to build up your app. They interview you. You're not a psycho. Maybe we'll take you. And then you got to be lucky. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like anything else. Yeah. And generally what I always like to say is that the interspecialty salary difference, like there is a, a difference on the average, but much bigger than the interspecialty difference is the intraspecialty difference meaning that the range between the lowest paid general dentist and the highest paid general dentist is much bigger than the range between a general dentist and some specialists. Mm-hmm. And then picking on to your point of the different specialties, the top of the field is generally oral surgery and orthodontics. Those are usually the two most competitive ones. The rule of thumb is to be the top 10% of your class. Uh, I remember when I first got into dental school, I was talking to you about it. I first wanted to go for orthodontics. And I simply did not have the chops. Like the lowest I've heard of anyone getting in was a class rank of 25 out of 90. So that's when I knew that that was out. Uh, Worked out for me. I'm very happy with pediatrics, but I knew I didn't have the chops. So I refocused my goals and just went all in on pediatrics. Uh, So then after oral surgery and orthodontics, you have endodontics, meaning the root canal people and pediatric dentistry is me. And then you have prosthodontics, They make prostheses, uh, so like bridges, crowns, dentures, and then you have periodontics, which are the gum dentists or the gum and bone dentists. Sammy does all this stuff. I just do the one specialty. I was going to say, this this is what Sammy meant by having to be as good at the specialist in doing those root canals and doing, working with the gums and all that stuff. 100%, exactly. And that's, that's the hard part. And that's the tricky part because like, like I said before, you're the, you're the veterinarian, you know, I'm saying you're the jack of all trades. I have to be the specialist if I'm not going to refer to them. But then if you refer to them, then you're not doing those things. And then number one, is that what's good for your patient? Is it good for your patient to spend more money to go to someone else they don't even know and you do go to them? Or is it in their best interest to go to you who they trust and who you, who you, who you like, you know, the plan, you know, you know, and all these things are, are, are part of the bigger plan. If you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. I can't just the quarterback. We're always saying it. Yeah, exactly. And an example I'm going to give is like, like if I go and I give you a bunch of a uh, bunch of crowns, but you, the bone in your gums aren't healthy, you lose all your teeth and you just did all that work and all that other stuff. Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me. That's not my, but it is your job. And yeah. I guess that's why every dentist, no matter what, still goes through that four years of general dentistry and then you specialize. So we're assuming that everybody has that basis. You're a clever girl, Carol. You're very smart. (laughs) But the truth is I love that you guys are hitting upon not only it's not only the different environments, but the different types of skills and and things that you need to love in order to like your job. So like you're saying, Mark, very fast paced, a lot of patients in one day, a lot of quick one-time things, whereas Sammy's more of like a long-term project sort of thing and creating something that's more perfectionistic and artistic. So it's not just about, you think it's really just about, oh, do I like working with adults or do I like working with kids? But the nature of the job is so different. Absolutely. And you realize this Mm -hmm. by shadowing. You have to just Mm -hmm. see 
if your personality type lines up with the type of personality that your chosen field, that what you see is what you get. Because I've noticed a lot of similarities uh, within like all these pediatric dentists that I was shadowing and how they were a little bit different from all the general dentists that I had seen and spoken to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed I'm, I'm very similar to the general dentists. And a lot of them had kind of like quirky, like uh, loud personalities and they had good relationships with their patients and they're very loving. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of like me. So that's why, um, you know, having developing long relationships is something that interests me and it's something that definitely I wanted to do. Yeah. I think this is so important for any job. And I think that's why we always push internships to be able to just see if something's a good fit for you. So it shouldn't just be in these fields like medicine and dentistry where you're forced to do it, but you should always be seeing where your personality fits and learning from people who are doing it. So I was actually going to ask you guys, because we have both of you here, um, normally I ask people what skills do they think you would need in order to be good at whatever job it is. But I think it's nice that we have both of you and you both know each other well and you love to bromance. So maybe you guys can speak towards each other's strengths and what strengths the other one has and how that allows them to be really good at their job. Uh, I'll go first because I got there first. Um, definitely as Mark said before, he has like a, uh, a very like, I think say mature personality. I wouldn't even phrase it as that. I would say Mark just has a very, very carefree and a very, very like happy go lucky personality. That's like number one. Number two, Mark talks about how like it's his goal to get in there and take out the tooth before the patient even notices. Mark is the greatest at being efficient of almost anyone I've ever met. And so that really, really, really benefits him in his job. Where his job isn't as important to develop a relationship with the patient. Like obviously his job is to make the patient feel comfortable, but Mark's super duper duper efficient in getting things done. And he's very tactical in that. Uh, so I really think this job is really well suited for him. Like he's very like stealthy, gets in and out. Um, and like, even more so he just like a, a smart individual thinks on his feet and yeah, just a very, very clever person in general. And with kids, you kind of have to be clever and you have to stay calm and cause kids will sense your danger. They'll sense anything they feel might be wrong. And so Mark's very, like Mark's a very, very cool cucumber in that end too. And he's very able, to, uh, very much able to keep his, his cool during special situations. So definitely very well equipped to be a, um, a pediatric dentist. I'm so touched. I don't even know if I could speak now. Very hard uh, not to follow. <laughs> if he wasn't so great. All right. Well, Sammy is, first of all, he's a very like emotionally connective guy. Like he gets along with each of his patients. He truly cares about like all their well-being. Like if I ever make a mistake, it'll be like, I'll rationalize it. I tried my best. What will be, will be. Sammy will think about it and really try to like, he'll, he'll care like, oh, I really could have done this better. I got to do something, figure it out, which you would want if it's something that's going to be long-term. You always want to be able to correct something. And then he's also very good with his hands. He built one of the curtains in my house. He works with his uncle, who's a handyman. He's just very good at intuitively fixing things. He's always been the more creative one. Uh, I, I think that just lends itself to being the jack of all trades, the quarterback dentist who has to know how to do a little bit of everything. So I think it fits his personality really well. Yeah. And the reason I asked this was not just to make you guys talk about each other in loving wages, which I know you love to do. We do but this every I think day. It, <laughs> yeah, every day. Wake up. You're the best. <laughs> 
But the truth is, I think sometimes it's hard to recognize our own strengths inherently, but having somebody that knows you well, they can really pinpoint what those things are and what make you good at whatever it is. And I, I like that. It seems like at this point, you guys are in tune with your own strengths, but being able to hear from somebody else, a lot of times it really illuminates things. And for both of you, it's not just things that are dentistry specific. It's things that are just general character traits or general things that you've been doing sort of your whole life. And I could see how these traits can be used in so many different fields, but you happen to have chosen dentistry. And like Sammy was saying, you just sort of have to run with it. But there is that room after you've chosen it to find the perfect place for you. Very well said and very cute idea. I'm so happy that happened. You're the man. Not cute. You. It's, actually, it's actually genius and it's actually a thousand percent correct. And I think that not only does it apply to dentistry i really think it applies to so many jobs out there and it's so many different fields wherein you can always find your niche that works with the person who you are instead of you know just trying to force yourself into a puzzle piece that doesn't fit mm-hmm. yeah for sure so i would love for you guys to give our listeners some advice um, it could be general dental school application advice or it could be more of just advice of how to get into the field or what should they, they should be thinking about so mark we can start with you this time uh, okay, so going back to my research, the average debt of someone who goes to dental school is 290000 So obviously, it's a big commitment. Uh, so my advice would be you want to become financially literate. Make sure that you have your eyes wide open before going into this. Uh, so I would say like a regret that I had is that I paid for college. If you did well in high school, I would probably advise try going somewhere where they're going to pay for it. I also majored in bio. I think this was a mistake. I think all you really have to take are the prerequisites. Not only can you learn something more valuable to you, something you care about more, have a better time learning it, but you can also maybe take away from some of the classes that are consuming more of your time and then focus on the actual prerequisites that are actually getting you into school. So from a means to an end perspective, it totally, I think, pays to major in something else. Um, the grades, they, they do matter. So I would say do not fall behind early, be committed as early as you possibly can to keep those up. Uh, and then finally, even going to dental school, uh, a lot of people went to Penn, especially my co-residents going to uh, residency in Philadelphia, where they're all in debt about 600,000, four out of seven co-residents are in debt 600,000. And the general rule of thumb is that you want to be within one, maybe two X of debt to income ratio. And it's just going to, eventually it becomes impossible to pay off. If you are at a three to one debt to income ratio, you either, you, you need either the military to pay for it or you need the government to pay for it. Uh, so that's through public service loan forgiveness or by serving in the military, however many years that you went to school, and then they'll cover the balance. If you want to avoid that, then you want to go to the cheapest dental school possible should be the deal breaker. Uh, Rutgers was very strong clinically, and I think that it prepared us very well for residency. But given the choice, if I could eliminate hundreds of thousands of debt by going to a different dental school and then picking up those hand skills a little bit later, maybe not getting the experience right away, but getting a little bit later, it all ends up evening out anyway. So that would be my advice. Fantastic advice, honestly, on every front. I love that. Sammy, what do you got for us? So obviously, Mark gave you a lot of the objective stuff. I'm going to say, as I said before, uh, you have to persist and you have to fight through and you're going to be barriers in a way. And there's going to be times where you're doubting yourself, but just to just 
commit and persist is massively important. And then also to like, there is this stigma against working hard because you might fail. I think everyone goes through at some point in their life and you might go through it in college or wherever it may be. Oh, it's not right for me. The ability to bust one's ass is one of the biggest and most important things that a person could have. And it's one of the, one of the core ideals that a person can change themselves. They could change it for themselves and that'll get them so far in life. And like to understand what it means to bust, like to bust your ass and to really work hard is something you'll know when you get there, kind of. So you're not going to understand what it is until you actually put all your effort in something and all your commitment in something. So uh, if you really want to get in and you really, it's actually you desire, take it seriously from day one. Don't, don't, and like, like we say, like don't half-ass it, like really full-ass it, like really pay attention and really like put your all into it. Uh, definitely need research. You need shadowing hours. You need good grades. You need a good dat. Um, if you got, anyone wants to know the ways that I studied for the dat and what most people do, you could uh, text me, Facebook message me, Instagram me, whatever you, you know, want, email me and we could go over it. But like whatever books it may be that everyone's doing, go on like student doctor network, like, like be edu- educate yourself, you know what I mean? And then like get yourself in the position to get in. That's all you could do really is to like put yourself in a position to win. Yeah. I know that you guys both spoke about like working hard, having the chops is there anything that somebody should be doing right now if they're thinking about pursuing dentistry in order to help prepare them for that? So I know we spoke about like interning, taking the science courses, but I know there's an element also of like manual dexterity that you have to have. So like playing an instrument or doing something that's just like building furniture. Is there something that people should be doing aside from just those science and shadowing courses that you would recommend? Buy a lot of furniture from Ikea. I mean, listen, I, I remember talking to a doctor who was like, oh, you got to do is got to go buy balsa wood and buy an X-Acto knife and start carving it out. And I'm like, this guy is freaking off his mind if he thinks I'm going to do that. But he was 100% right. That would have been so helpful. Um, I would say maybe get into clay modeling, but actually, like I said before, if you do anything, like really like commit to it. So if you're going to do clay modeling, don't do one class of polymer clay modeling. That just sounds ridiculous. Like commit to it because that's how you're going to gain the hand skills. You know, if you want to learn how to play trumpet, don't take a trumpet class, learn how to play the trumpet. You know what I mean? And that will help you 1000%. I think Carol, I don't know how you know all this. You did really good research, but you're a thousand percent right. Um, I think it's super important uh, that, you know, to get ahead of the game, you know, this is all hand skills. It's all, they, they start you off day one. You have to like build a tooth out of wax. How, what the hell does the tooth look like? Number one. And then how do I build it out of wax? This is something that, you know, but you do it. Monday, you do it Wednesday, you do next Monday, you do it next Wednesday, you just keep doing it, every, you know, twice a week, every single week. And then eventually you're like, oh, I could do this easily. Yeah. Like I know what to do. That's everything in life. Same thing for this. Uh, so I would say the one job that would help, I don't know if it's necessary or that I'd even recommend it, but if you want a leg up, you could work in a dental lab. And that's when you'll get comfortable, like working with waxes and working with like stone and all the things that go into dentistry. Uh, as far as hand skills, when we first started, there was like a massive spectrum of who's good at uh, drilling into teeth and who's good at like making dentures and who's good at all these things that require hand skills. But as time goes on, it eventually becomes uh, degenerative where it evens out. Everyone's hand skills are sufficient to get the job done, with the one exception if you're going to go into the specialty of prosthodontics, which Sammy does do a lot of prost in his work, so it definitely does help. 
But if you're going to specialize in prosthodontics, that's the one that you see, oh, this person needs to be talented with their hands if they're actually going to be successful at that job. Everything else, I'm not the most artistic guy, but that I'm thinking that most people could get to a level where they can provide the standard of care to their patients. Great. I love those tips. I think they're both very concrete, a little logical, a little philosophical, and we hit it all. That's us. All right. So tell us where we can find you guys if we have more questions, if we want to know more about each specific field, or if we, we just were excited by what you had to say and want to follow you on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. If you're old, if you're like regular, you could use Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's Akasaka. Just type my name, Sammy Sack. I'm sure you'll find me uh, or whatever. You can text me even Carol add in the, in the notes or yeah, my email is, is my name, Sammy Sack at Gmail. Like, honestly, I'm legit open to helping anyone for anything. If you're going to medicine, like I definitely could give you some advice about that too. Uh, just uh, my last tip of the day. And this actually is one of my best tips. My brother-in-law once told me the only thing better than learning from your mistakes is learning from other people's mistakes. And so the best thing anyone could do is to definitely talk to other people, talk to me, talk to Mark, talk to other dentists, you know, just get the word out. And that's what makes us so powerful is that we have such resources. So hit us up and we're happy to, to get back to you. Picking up on Sammy's point, when we used to go out in dental school, everyone used to like come up with some rule, like, all right, no talking about teeth. And guess what I wanted to talk about? And I still want to talk about, I still love talking about teeth. Okay. So anyone, of course, feel free to uh, reach out to me. Uh, Carol, I hope you could put my name in the show notes, Mark Narday on Instagram, Mark Narday on Facebook. No. Um, Hard to remember. I would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I think it's very important that you establish contacts that are like ahead of you. So like at different phases of their career. So maybe someone who's a few years, uh, if you're like in college trying to apply, someone who's in dental school and then someone who's in residency and then a few people who are in private practice, just so that you get the perspective. There is nobody who bombarded more people ahead of them than me. I was polling dozens and dozens of people about their different opinions, their different tips, exactly what their life is like, all these different stupid little analytical questions. If anyone is responsible to pass it forward, it's me. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Okay, great. And I think our, our first ever dual interview went pretty well. So I guess our viewers will let us, let us know what they think of it, if they think we should do more of these in the future. But you guys were great and it was a pleasure having you.